Hey everybody, this is Bob Z, the pastor of Joy Christian Fellowship. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast. I hope it's a word that will encourage you today. Let's remember in these challenging times we're living that God is still in control and that his love for us endures forever. Amen. God bless. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise. That's what we just did. O Lord, O Lord, our God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for for the gift of worship. Thank you that whether we have a live band or not, we can still worship you. Help us. Help us not get out of touch with you. Help us not get so caught up in the the days we're living in that we neglect our time with you we need more of you less of the world so come and join us and just grab our attention now let us not be distracted by anything else there's nothing more important right now than hearing from heaven and we need to hear from you this morning so speak to us lord your servants are listening amen and amen Mm, that was good Uh, Before we get into this morning's message, I I want us to look at a popular verse about faith. Our faith is really being tested these days, wouldn't you say? (laughs) But how do we know how strong our faith really is unless it's being tested, right? So I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse 1. The Bible says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Yeah, we hope for a lot of things, don't we? If we're planning to do something outside, we're going on a picnic, we're having something in the park, we hope it doesn't rain. We hope our favorite ball team, if you're into sports and watching your team, you you hope your favorite team wins. We hope the light stays green long enough so we can get through that busy intersection or at least stay yellow before we go through it. But we hope for a lot of things that we have absolutely no control over. But that kind of hope, that, that's not based on faith. That's just wishful thinking. And Hebrews 11 verse 1 isn't talking about wishful thinking. That, that verse is, is telling us that real faith is being real sure of what we really hope for and being real certain of what we really do not see. So let's face it. If we can see it, We don't need faith, right? If we can see it, we don't need faith to be certain of it. It's right there in front of us. We see it. And when we look around at the world today and our country, it takes real faith in God to believe that he's still in control. You know, it's easy to have faith in God as our provider when we can see that all our our bills are paid on time, right? When, when we can see that, the, that our kids are healthy, when we can open a refrigerator door and we can see we have plenty of food to eat and we have gas in the car and we still got some money left over. It's easy to have faith in God then. But what about when the rent's overdue and we're still a couple hundred short? Or the kids are really sick and the doctors don't have any answer? Or we get another letter from the bank with that 
insufficient funds stamped in red on the envelope. I gotta tell you, I've had way than, more than my share of those in the years past. I've gotten a lot better about it. But that was just a self-inflicted wound, right? And it was a costly self-inflicted wound. It's like throwing money out the window. I was a poor manager of money. I was a poor steward of God's resources, always playing, trying to beat the check to the bank. And sometimes I'd win, but oftentimes I'd lose. But see, sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot by making poor choices like that. And then we want God or we want somebody else to bail us out. And then sometimes it's not our fault. Just life happens and we find ourselves in a, in a tight place. So the question is, is our faith in God as our provider still as strong during our times of great need as it is when times are good? I hope so. Because even though our circumstances change back and forth, our God changes not. Amen? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the Bible tells us. So as people of faith, we, we need to be sure of what we hope for. And we need to be certain of what we do not see based on the principles and the promises in God's word. We either believe this stuff or we don't. Let's look at that whole passage from Hebrews 11. Le and, and leave it up for a few minutes, Chris, please. Verse 1, 2, and 3. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Some translations read, for by it, meaning their faith, by their faith, the people of old received divine approval. The Lord was pleased with their faith. That whole chapter 11 of Hebrews is a chapter of faith. It mentions a lot of the heroes in the Bible. It's like the uh, Hall of Fame for faith, chapter 11. Let's Keep going. Verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. You've heard of the Big Bang Theory? The real Big Bang was God's voice, right? He spoke it into existence. By faith, it says, we understand that, that the universe was formed, how? By God's command. That's power. He just spoke it, and there it was. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Do you hear that? So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. The universe was formed at God's command. So the first verse of that shows us that our faith accepts God's word as truth. God said it. God promised it. So by faith, I need to believe it. I need to be sure of it. I need to be certain of it by faith. Now, if you're not 100% sure of that, let's, let's talk before you go home today, okay? And a second verse up there tells us that faith wins God's approval. The ancients, the people of old, were commended for their faith. Those were the heroes of the Bible. It's not on the screen, but verse 16 of that same chapter tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And in verse 3, faith recognizes God's power because it's by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. He just spoke it into existence so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. The visible came forth from the invisible. Man, that takes real faith to believe that kind of statement. Well, can you prove it to me, Bob? No, 
I can't prove it to you, but you know what? All this stuff God said would happen in His Word, a whole lot of it has already happened. A whole lot of prophecies spoken in His Word have already been fulfilled, and He's not done yet. And I tell you personally, I've seen too much happen in my own life to not believe. Now, from time to time, I struggle with doubt. It's like that guy that said about his son, I do believe, but help my unbelief, right? But I've seen too much happen to not believe his word. I may not always understand him. may not always understand his ways, but by faith, I believe they're all good. And I hope you do too, whether we understand him or not. God's not like a man who would lie. I didn't think that up myself. That's straight out of the Bible. That's in Numbers chapter 23. God is not like a man who would lie. So by faith, I believe all this other stuff God said is true too. He's not lying to us. There is a liar. There is a thief. But it's not God. So all this other stuff God said is true too. And I I believe that. And I hope you do too. Because if you're not sure... You need to be sure. We need to be sure. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So real faith accepts God's word as truth. Real faith wins God's approval. Can't please him without faith. And real faith recognizes God's power. That's what we're going to look at this morning, God's power. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. We talked about the power coming with the Holy Spirit came, the power of God. Now, to the Apostle Paul, it was of the utmost importance that the believers in the Corinthian church recognize God's power, and we need to recognize it too, all of us, Corinthians, family of joy, believers everywhere need to recognize God's power is the basis of our faith in Christ. Paul wanted this young church in that wicked city of Corinth to know it was vitally important that their new faith in Christ rested in the power of God not the wisdom of men. That's where we get our title from that verse. So today's title is God's Power, Not Men's Wisdom. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So Lord, open up your word to us and speak life. Give us direction. Give us hope. Give us encouragement. We need it. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is speaking to this church, I pray. Amen. Before we get into chapter 2, I just want to give us a little background on chapter 1. The Apostle Paul, he spent a year and a half in the city of Corinth on his first visit there. Now, this was his second missionary journey, but it was his first visit to Corinth. And he established a church there while, while he was there. But now, in his absence, Paul's hearing that the church had problems. They had division. They were dis, you know, they had a lot of disorder and uh, dysfunction, and and they were being influenced by the city's corrupt value system. Corinth was a, a corrupt, evil city. Unfortunately, the corrupt value system of the world today still has influence in the church. But those new cre- those new Christians, those new Christians in Corinth, they they were rallying around various church leaders and teachers and. And, and that was causing split loyalties. And these split loyalties led to a lot of intellectual pride. And that created a real spirit of division in a church. Now, unfortunately, intellectual pride is still alive and well in a church today. 
and it's still doing its dirty work of, of dividing people, causing strife. Now, some of the Corinthian believers said they were followers of Paul. Others said they were followers of Apollos. He was another popular Christian teacher. Others said they were followers of Peter. And there were some who even said they were followers of Jesus. <laughs> At least some of them got it right. And when Paul heard all this, he said, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. Hold it right there. And he asked him, was I crucified for any of you people? I don't think so. He said, were any of you baptized in my name? I don't think so. He said, Jesus didn't send me to baptize. He sent me to preach the gospel, but not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. You hear that? Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Well, how could that happen? Well, some people can get so influenced by eloquent language and, and clever, inspiring words that their conversion experience could be attributed more to the convincing, beautiful speech of some appealing personality instead of Christ's work on that bloody cross. That's where the power is in the blood of Jesus. And Paul knew that this simple gospel message was the power of God. He knew that the sophisticated intellect intelligent mind had a hard time accepting this message by faith. Paul knew the message of the cross is foolishness to who? To those who are perishing. Those who think they're too smart to believe the gospel message. Those who are going their own way and doing their own thing instead of going God's way. Because after all, think about it, for an intelligent person, I know people have a scientific mind, and, and they don't believe stuff by faith. You've got to prove it to them through science. And I've read the more you learn about science, the more it proves the Bible right. But anyway, that's a discussion for another day. But for an intelligent person or somebody maybe with a scientific mind, it'd be foolish to believe that God's master plan for the salvation of the world would be through the brutal execution of a poor Jewish carpenter's son turned preacher. Oh, yeah, he also happened to be the son of God. And he also did die, and he was buried, but he was also raised back to life on the morning of that third day. It was the same guy. That's foolishness, right? To an intelligent mind, that's foolishness. But the Bible also tells us God purposely chose the foolish things of the world to confuse the wise, right? To shame the intellectuals, to confuse them. Paul knew the message of the cross was foolishness to those who were perishing because they refused to believe it. But Paul also knew that that same message to those who did believe it, to those who have faith in it, to those of us who are being saved by it, that same message is the power of God. It's not the wisdom of men. It's the power of God that transforms our lives by the renewing of our minds. That takes the power of God. I can't change anybody's heart. Only God can. Paul was hammering this point home to get these drifting believers back on track, put their focus and their faith back on Christ, not Paul, not Apollos, not Peter, or any other high-profile leader. And you and I, we've got to be careful and guard against that same temptation and, and be careful. We're not quoting this celebrity pastor or that celebrity pastor more than we're quoting Jesus, right? There's so a lot of good teaching available, and that's great. I'm thankful for it. We can all benefit from it, but let's guard 
against things that could divide us like it was dividing the Corinthians because the devil loves to cause division in the church. We don't want to have some who say, well, I follow Mike Bickle or I follow John Piper or I follow Dutch Sheets or Andy Stanley or Chuck Pierce or, or whoever. Let's keep a proper perspective of all that, okay? Because there is a lot of good teachers and preachers and prophetic voices out there and we can learn and we can gain valuable insight from them. But not one of them was crucified for us, were they? I mean, these are men and, and women of great wisdom and, and great faith and great knowledge. And we can all benefit a lot from the revelation that God has given them, but they're only men and women. They're not Jesus. And we start quoting people more than we're quoting Jesus or the, the Holy Spirit-inspired writers of the Bible. We've got to be careful. We could run into trouble doing that. I don't know of any celebrity pastor or celebrity worship leader who went to the cross for us. Do you? Only Jesus did that. I don't know any celebrity pastor or celebrity worship leader who bled and suffered and died for our sins. Only Jesus did that. So our faith in Christ must rest in the power of God instead of the wisdom of men. Amen. So Paul's message to the Corinthians is also his message to us this morning at Joy Christian Fellowship. And in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, Paul begins by reminding them why he first came to them, what his goal was for coming to them, and also how he came to him, how he came to them, why he came and how he came. So may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Paul writes, When I came to you, brothers, and I'll include our sisters too, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Now, this wasn't a testimony about Paul. This was the testimony about God. Now, Paul was no dummy. Paul was highly educated. He was very diplomatic. He was a good debater. He had a lot of wisdom. And the culture in the city of Corinth back then, they fed off of clever intellectual speakers and deep thinkers and philosophers of the day. They just love sitting around, listening to good debates and having these deep thinking conversations. And they thrived on that stuff. But Paul didn't want anything to take away from the simple basic message of the gospel. Look what he tells them next. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right? Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was Paul's message. Jesus and the cross. Let's look at verse 3, 4, and 5. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Hold it right there. Weakness and fear and much trembling. That's not really the qualities a lot of places are looking for for an influential leader, is it? If that was today, if those three qualities were what Paul came to an interview with, he'd never pass the audition to get his own TV show, would he? Let's see, this evangelist guy, who's next? Paul, right? You're coming to us in weakness and fear and with much trembling? I think we're going to take a pass on this guy next. You know, I mean, th that's not what places are looking for these days, unfortunately. You're probably not going to fill the seats with a guy who, who comes in weakness and fear and much trembling. 
You know what Paul's critics said about him? This isn't on a screen, but li listen to this. This is in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 10. You could look at it later. This is the review his critics gave him. His letters are weighty. They got a lot of weight to them, and they're forceful. But in person, he is unimpressive, and his speaking amounts to nothing. Wow, what a shot. Listen to this translation, that same verse. Don't worry about Paul. His letters are demanding and forceful, but in person he's weak and his speeches are really bad. <laughs> wow. His speeches are worthless, another translation says. He has nothing worth saying. Wow. Some people were really deceived, weren't they? He has nothing worth saying? I mean, he's sharing the life-saving message of the gospel, and they're saying, he's got nothing good to say. But you know what? Some people are still deceived today by thinking Paul's message is worthless. Some people still think he's got nothing worth saying. The devil's really good at deceiving people when it comes to the gospel. Don't let that happen to you or any of your loved ones, okay? But you know what? Paul wasn't worried about bad reviews from his critics, right? He wasn't concerned about his ratings or any sponsors he might have had. He wasn't even concerned when the 1-800 number in the bottom of the TV screen or how many operators were standing by to take your calls. And I want you to go to your phones right now and call that number on your screen. Some of us still remember going to our phone before, before they come up with these neat things, right? Call the number on your screen. Okay, Chris, you can. I call that number just to see if it's a real number, and it's actually a place in Minnesota uh, called a, a greenery. They sell plants and flowers and stuff, but anyway. Anyway, the Apostle Paul wasn't worried about any of that stuff. He wasn't out to impress his audience with eloquent speaking or, or great stage presence or those big ear-to-ear -ear grins, or perfect hair. He wasn't concerned with any of that. He didn't want anything to sidetrack or mislead or discourage or, or, or mislead anyone into putting their faith in the wisdom of men, even good men, even godly men. That wasn't his message. His message was about Jesus and the cross. So he came in weakness not depending on himself. He came in fear, and he came with much trembling, knowing the weight of his message and knowing the consequences for anyone who would reject it. Paul wanted his audience to really get it. And every Sunday I get up here, whatever it is I feel the Lord's put on my heart to share with you, I hope everyone really gets it too. So Paul wanted his audience to get it and not be impressed or swayed by fancy words or have any confidence in the flesh. Let's look at verse 4 and 5 again. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why is that, Paul? Here it comes. So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on what? God's power that your faith and my faith would rest on God's power, not the wisdom of men and women. See, the purpose of Paul's ministry and the purpose of every believer's ministry, remember, we're all in ministry for the kingdom. You don't have to get up here on a Sunday morning to be in ministry 
we, we are all called to be ministers, right? We're in this priesthood of all believers. It's Christ's victory on the cross. The curtain in the temple was torn in two. And that barrier that separated us from the holiness of God was removed thanks to Jesus. And now we all have access. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through somebody else. We have direct access. So if you're a born-again believer in Christ, you're part of the priesthood of all believers. We're all priests now. Don't worry about that word priest. You know, you think Catholic. I'm not a Catholic. No, neither am I. We're all priests. And we're in partnership with our Heavenly Father. We're united with Christ. And we join in his priestly work of reconciling people and God. Amen. Sharing the good news of the gospel. That's the power of God. So the purpose of Paul's ministry and the purpose of our ministry is summed up right there in verse 5. So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Man. Sometimes I feel like we're just scratching the surface. He's got so much more for us. His power is limitless. See, we need to speak, and even more importantly, we need to live in a way that will help lead people to put their faith in God's power instead of the wisdom of people. We need to do everything we can to encourage others to grow in their faith and, and to encourage each other here to grow in our faith. And just like it was Paul's aim in life to build faith, in the power of God with everyone he came in contact with. It should be the aim of every one of us, wherever we are, to help build faith in the power of God with everyone we come in contact with. Time is short, folks. I mean, look around. I believe time here is running out. And I'm not trying to spread fear. The media does a good job of doing that. But there are signs all around us if we'll read the Bible, right? Hey, we got the message of life, right? We got the message of eternal life, not death. We can't shrink back from our assignment. We're ambassadors for Christ. So we need to be bold, not brash, not arrogant, not obnoxious. Sometimes Christians can be the most obnoxious people you meet. Yeah. And the worst tippers in the restaurants. If you're going out to lunch somewhere today and you're going to pray over your meal, make sure you leave a good tip. We've got to change that reputation. It's terrible. Anyway, where was I? All right. We need to be bold. Not ugly, not brash, not obnoxious. Bold and courageous and speaking the truth in love. Not afraid. Don't be afraid of this stuff. Or ashamed of this message of life. Paul wasn't afraid. He sure wasn't ashamed. Look what he wrote in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. Do you hear that? I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. This gospel message, it's the power of God for the salvation of who? For the salvation of everyone who believes. And he says, first a Jew and then a Gentile. But this gospel message, it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Everyone, everyone who believes. That's such good news in a world full of bad news, isn't it? Everyone who believes. Why would any of us be afraid or hesitant or ashamed of, of spreading that message? We need to be super spreaders of this message. This is great news for a hurting world. It's the best news out there. 
If you knew of some news better than this, man, you got to tell me what it is. Because this message of eternal life found only in Jesus Christ is the best news I've heard of. And yet this message is still considered foolishness to those who are perishing, those who think they know better than God. You see how well that worked out for Adam and Eve. Going their own way, doing their own thing. Thanks, but no thanks, God. I can handle it. We think we can. But see, even though there's still a lot of people that thinks this message is foolishness, that doesn't change our mission. That doesn't change our purpose for being here. We're not here just to see how much good stuff and neat stuff we can accumulate. And we all know people who are putting their faith in the wisdom of men and women, don't we? Instead of the power of God. A lot of them work in Washington, D.C. A lot of them also work and live in Cleveland, Tennessee, right? A lot of them live and work in Charleston and Calhoun and Athens and Decatur and Riceville. You name it. So whether it's at school, even though school's out for the summer, or work, or, or the park in your neighborhood, giving out free hot dogs, walking the greenway, at the ball fields, wherever we are, we're going to come in contact with educated people who think this message is still foolishness. But that still doesn't change our mission and the opportunities God gives us. We need to be more sensitive to those opportunities because our purpose and our mission is sharing the good news. Some call it dropping people off at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> Point them to Jesus, take them to Jesus, and drop them off at his feet. <laughs> I think you do a better job at it than we can, but we got to get them, sometimes we got to get them to Jesus before we drop them off at his feet. To encourage people to put their faith in Christ, put their faith in the power of God instead of the wisdom of people. I got an idea. How about we make Jesus famous? <laughs> Let's make Jesus famous, shall we? All right, I'm done. Amen and amen. Let it be so. If you're able to stand, please stand. We're going to say a prayer, and then you'll be free to go and enjoy the rest of this day. If, if you want prayer for anything, I'll be up here for a while. If you want to pray for somebody here, by all means, if the Lord is nudging you, just go for it. Father, thank you again for, for the word, for the word that comes alive even though this stuff's thousands of years old, Lord, we thank you that it's fresh and new for this day, for this month, for this year. Teach us, Lord, to, to value this more, to, to see that there are a lot of good teachers and preachers and prophetic voices out there, but they're not Jesus. And we can learn and benefit from the, their schooling and their understanding and their revelation that you've given them. And we need more uh, to hear from you instead of the things of this world. So uh, I pray blessings over us here at Joy, Lord, that we would be a people that want to go deeper with you instead of just uh, surface stuff. Help us, Lord. We need more of you in these days we're living as we look around. We desperately need you. Come and save America, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.